Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode four with your host, Bob Evans. That's me. Although it's not my real name. My real name is Kevin Mitchell, but you guys know how it works now. Thanks a lot for tuning in, um, and thanks a lot for listening to episodes one, two, and three, if you have. I hope you've enjoyed them. I've, I've been enjoying doing them. So yeah, there's quite a lot to talk about. I'm going to quickly run through a bunch of stuff. First of all, I'm actually on holidays right now. I'm, as I'm recording this, I'm not on holidays. I'm sitting in my garage while a, a cold front moves through outside. But in a few days' time, I'm going to be with my family, jumping on a plane and going to Thailand for two weeks for a holiday. <laughs> I haven't been on a holiday for four years, so it's you know it's kind of a big deal in my life. So what that means is I'm... Just I'm getting this podcast done now so that while I'm away, I've got one that can um, come out, you know, because I don't want to just, for everything, just to kind of fall in a heap. So yeah, so I just wanted to let you know that. Car Boot Sale, my brand new album is out. It's on shelves. Thank you for purchasing it if you have. It's, uh, yeah, uh, the response has been wonderful. And I'm really, really happy with the record, as I talked about um, on the last podcast Uh, I'm going to be on tour all through August. Well, the first half of August. I'm going to be on tour with my band, five-piece band. We'll be playing Adelaide, Perth, Fremantle, Dunsborough, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. And and all those dates and ticket details can be found on my website, which is bobevans.com.au. Please come along and hear Car Boot Sale and all my old stuff being played by a great band. And also you will get to see my very special guest, Melody Poole play as well who is awesome so i'd love to see you there now i have been updating the official good evans it's a bobcast soundtrack on spotify what i've been doing is every time i speak to a guest i add the songs that we've talked about onto the list it's usually about it's about three songs per episode that we talk about towards the end that my guest chooses and so yeah if you want to sort of reference any of the songs we've talked about because obviously during the podcast you don't get to hear them so if you want to hear these songs that we're banging on about um that's probably the best place to go and do it on spotify on the uh good evans it's a bobcast soundtrack playlist okay now i've been busy obviously over the last few weeks with the record coming out doing lots of traveling around doing lots of promo yeah in melbourne and sydney and perth you may have seen me pop up on the telly I did the um, I did the Channel Seven breakfast. What is it? The uh, the morning show, not the breakfast show. The morning show, the one with Larry Emder and Carly Gillies. That was interesting, and I almost had a fucking panic attack while I was playing the song. I don't know. I was the most nervous I've ever been in my life. It was fucking weird. It was my whole body was trembling, and I felt like I was getting all lightheaded, like I was going to pass out. It was. It was weird. And it wasn't early in the morning, and I hadn't been up all night, you know, smoking crack. I don't know what was going on. It was weird. But fortunately, I didn't faint or pass out live on TV, which would have been awful. But at the same time, it might have been a good publicity stunt for the record. I don't know. And so, yeah, so anyway, so I've been traveling around a bit, doing promo, and I spent a week in Perth. Um, I went there originally for Jebediah shows. We played a gig in Dunsborough, and we also did this big festival called State of the Art Festival, which is held on the long weekend, Monday public holiday, which is a WA day. 
celebrated in Perth only. I don't know why the rest of the country doesn't get on board, WA Day, but anyway. When we played this festival, right, and then uh, about an hour after the gig finished, I completely lost my voice. And when I say I lost my voice, I don't mean it got a bit cra- crackly and croaky. I mean it absolutely was gone. It was It disappeared. I, I don't know if I had laryngitis or something. Anyway, and so for the f- all the days that I was doing promo in Perth, I, I could barely talk. It was terrible. By the third and final day, I was starting to get my voice back. And that was the day that I went in. I was invited to go in to uh, the West Coast Eagles AFL football team headquarters at Subiaco Oval. Well, I shouldn't call it Subiaco Oval because that's not what it's called. Uh, I think it's called Domain Stadium now. It, I think before that it was like Patterson Stadium. Everybody who lives in Perth probably still calls it Subiaco Oval. I, I still do. And and that's their sort of, you know, that's their headquarters. And I went in and I met Will Schofield, who is a defender. He actually plays fullback, but um, he very graciously invited me to do a little tour of the place, which is cool. I mean, I was a big... I should sort of, you know, tell you I was a big West Coast Eagles fan when I was a little kid. I still am a big West Coast Eagles fan. I'm an adult now, so I celebrate it in a slightly different way. But when I was a kid, when the, the, I used to, you know, when the Eagles first were in their first final series, I fucking made a, a scrapbook. I used to cut out clippings from the newspaper and I made a scrapbook like a school project. So, you know, I was I was pretty crazy about them as a kid and... Um, so, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine, going in as an adult and giving, being given that kind of access, it was pretty cool. We had a kick. We, we did a bit of a kick-to-kick on the ground, which was great. And the best part of all, they presented me with my very own personalised West Coast Eagles jumper on the back, number nine, after one of my favourite players, Nick Natanui. And on the top, it says, Mitchell. So, I don't know what I'm going to fucking do with it. I'm... I don't know whether to, I'm supposed to wear it or f- put it, stick it in a frame and hang it on the wall. I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. So now it's just sort of sitting in my cupboard in with all my other clothes. You know, like <laughs> like I'm going to just chuck it on one day. Oh, what have I got to wear? Oh, maybe I'll wear this West Coast Eagles jumper. So, yes. So my guest for episode four is Will Schofield. After we did the little tour and the jumper and the kick to kick, we got together and had a chat. Um, for those of you who don't follow AFL, you may not know who Will Schofield is. Um, I think it's good. I think, I think it's it's fine. I don't think I'm hoping that people who don't get into necessarily are into sport, are into the the the, the foot and the balling, um, will still find this chat interesting because there's a lot of talk about the um, differences and similarities of our jobs and our lifestyle. And you know, at face value, the you know sport, the the job of elite athlete and the job of artist musician. They they seem they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And in some ways they are. But in a lot of ways, there's these really interesting kind of commonalities as well. There's a lot of things that our jobs have in common. And there's a lot of things our jobs don't have in common. But it's kind of interesting. And he's, you know, he's an intelligent guy and he's very candid about um, about his life as an athlete. And, um, and of course, we, we talk about music. You know, we talk about music too, as we always do. Um, on this podcast. So, as usual, there is a language warning. I'm a bit late on the language warning. I've already, I realised I've probably sworn about three times already in this little introduction. But if you don't like adult language, there will be some of it in this podcast. So, you know. Um, Okay. I think that's everything I wanted to talk about.
I think that's everything. All right, I'm going to go and, you know, drink a uh, drink a little margarita on the beach now. <laughs> While you guys listen to episode four of Good Evans. It's a bloody Bobcast. I'm here now in a small black curtained off uh, room, well, well studio, but it's kind of like a storage room, with Will Schofield, uh, who's a defender for the West Coast Eagles. G'day, Will. Hey, G'day, man. mate. It's actually called The Dungeon. The Dungeon, where yeah, we are? It's The Dungeon. It doesn't elicit uh, friendliness, right. uh, welcome, welcome in. It's more of a get in, get it done. Um, and so, and just outside of this room is like a kind of, uh, it's like a, sort of I don't know players games room sort of thing or like there's a, like a little kitchen and a, mm. uh, a table tennis table I think was in there so yeah that's our players lounge um, we we have a pl- yeah pool table you actually didn't see but we've got a computer room with a playstation set up right, right next door yep. a lot of time spending there me yep. especially massive yep. I'm a nerd I'm, I'm a deep down nerd <laughs> uh, I love my games um, yeah you got the TV boys are watching the NBA playoffs yeah yeah I saw that was on there yeah. so yeah I mean talk us through like you know what, an average kind of week, uh, as, you know, an average week at the club for you is. You know, like because the impression that I've got, you know, about certainly modern day football clubs, is just how kind of how much they've become professional, kind of like almost like nine to five. Yeah, I get the feeling that you guys like come in in the morning and leave in the afternoon, and yeah, you know, which I'm sure you know, twenty years ago probably wasn't the case. But yeah, run us through like an average week. So yeah, you're right. Um, I think twenty, even 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 close to when I started, which is ten years ago, um, it was it was still probably there was half days. There was um, you know times where you're not spending a lot of time at the club, and mm. it does differ between pre-season and in-season. So I guess I'll speak a bit about in-season. Um, yeah. In-season, we get one day a week off. That's in our collective bargaining agreement that uh, right. was hashed out between the greater good of uh, the players' mental welfare. Sure, Because yeah, I think if we were yeah. in here seven days a week, we'd be losing our minds. Totally. So, and I guess that one day a week would have to be a weekday, right? That's because right. Because you're always... That's right. So we, 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 get, we get a Wednesday or a Thursday off, depending on... Yeah, it, it's a very flexible schedule because we have six-day breaks between games sometimes, so a Sunday to a Saturday, and sometimes we'll have a seven-day break, yep. Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Um, it'll depend on what day we get off. But we get one day a week off, uh, usually... Um, first day after a game uh, is recovery day. You spend a lot of time in the ice bins. I've, yep. I've just given you a tour of the club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, taking you through part, you know, the important parts. Yeah. We get, you know, we'll go through a recovery stage where, um, yeah, do a lot of stretching, ice bins, pool. Um, you know, spend that sort of time. Uh, a lot of boys tend to stay out of the ice bins as much as possible. There. Oh, well, I don't fucking blame them. Yeah. Tuesday, so that's Monday. We do a bit of a game review. Spend a time in the in the team meeting room, which. Mm-hmm. You did say it was a little bit like backstage. Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of slightly. Uh, well, you know, it's a small kind of a little bit stuffy in the and 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 you know a little bit formal. Well, I, I did say that after wins, um, we go in there and everyone tells you how good you are. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's your best mate. Yeah. After losses, 
it's a morbid area to be. Yeah. Coaches are ripping people's heads off. Yeah. Uh, so what's the vibe like when you've after you've lost a game back there? Is everyone is it just I really am, quiet? I am pumping it up a bit. I mean, you try your best, and it's probably similar in your industry where you try your best when you win not to go over the top with um, how you feeling. Right. And then when you lose, you try not to get too down about it. Sure. Yeah. But after That's a loss, sensible. after a loss, I guess. I guess. Yeah. It's it's you. Everyone's very. I reckon everyone gets internal and yeah, yeah, and thinks about themselves. What have I done wrong? You start playing things over in your head. Um, mm. I guess similar to you as well, where yeah. if you stuff stuff up, you're like, "Geez, I wish I didn't do that." Yeah, yeah. We'll be in there for 10, 10 15 minutes, but the yeah. day after, we we, we right. probably spend two two hours over the day. And um, is that when you like watch back? Yeah, we'll watch we'll watch vision. Um, again, sometimes the, the coaches will find some funny vision from the day as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like we had a we had a fight uh, against Port Adelaide. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. One of our players got knocked out, yes. Andrew Gaff. Yes. And so you copped a fine for that, didn't you? I did. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I'm keen to get into a bit of this, right? So, okay, yeah. Like I got fined $1,000. Yeah. Which uh, I guess if you got fined $1,000 for parking in the wrong spot, you'd, just, you'd pay $1,000 uh, you know, out of your, out of your back pocket. Yeah, yeah. Thousand dollars parking in the wrong spot if in you know, <laughs> the, the city of Yarra or something, yeah, maybe. Yes, but. Correct. And you've parked at the front door of Parliament House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I if I did that normally, you know, it's not tax. Uh, sorry, it's post tax. So what are you saying? You're just at the wrong place at the wrong time. No, what I'm saying is I get charged a thousand dollars. Yeah. But it comes out of my pre-tax pay, so it's actually. Two grand. Ah, oh, right, okay. So like, the yeah. public's like, oh, $1,000. But uh, who, so, and was the fine from the it? AFL or the club? The AFL. Okay. And who and pays it? Pay. I pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. Comes out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, I don't know, because the culture of footy, right, um, your player gets knocked out. If we all stood around and did nothing, I reckon the club would fine us for not beating the bloke up. Who knocked him out, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm serious, that, that's... Like that's that's what footy is like. You got to yeah. stand up for your mates. Yeah, yeah. So then, and yeah, they must. And also, I imagine public pressure too. I mean, I I would imagine the the pressure from the public could be just as harsh. Yeah. As the internal pressure from the club, because every you know, especially in in this day and age of social media, you know, you everybody's got a voice, and and yeah, I can imagine you know the public if there was a scuffle and you guys didn't weren't seen to be protecting each other or looking out for each other, yeah. then you would cop it from people. Correct. Right, you know. So the funny footage I'm talking about, they get the behind goals footage and they start highlighting players. Let's let's watch uh, let's watch Jeremy McGovern what he does here. Right. So all the boys are sprinting to the fight. Jeremy McGovern <laughs> is walking through the middle of the ground. <laughs> Couldn't be walking slower, just strolling through. The fight's going on. People are getting thrown to the ground, bash. Yeah, People are getting thrown in the fences. Jezza, still walking. Still walking. The fight clears up. It's a two-minute fight. He's still clear. Yeah, yeah. He's walked straight to the umpire, still a walking pace, yeah. and said, mate, was that a 50-meter penalty? That <laughs> just, just checking that's a 50-meter penalty. And then walked back to his spot. Didn't see if anyone was all right. And then they go through other people like, me, I was behind Jezza. Yeah. I went sprinting past Jezza, yeah, yeah. sprinting past about five other blokes. Yeah, yeah. And got into him, and then I got fined. You got the same, and well, that's the thing. Well, Jerry, I mean, Jeremy so McGovern's obviously he's a tight ass. He's a tight ass. Yeah, you know, he's candy with his money. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, where did we get to with you? Uh, so yeah, week? so Monday recovery meetings. Tuesday we do a, a light session. Um, so we'll go out in the ground, which uh, we just spend a bit of time. Yeah, up there, had mate. a bit of a kick. You got a bit of a leg on you. I must oh, say. look, I I played a bit of junior footy 
um, between the ages, I think I started in like under nines and I played till about under 14s. Um, and I was, full back was pretty much my position, um, which I, you know, I was kind of a bit resentful of, of always playing full back because when you're a kid, you want to kick goals, right? You know, I play full back, right? You can't oh, be well, resentful. Yeah, def- but, you know, like, oh, no. defend. You, you don't want to play full back when you're a kid. No, no. I mean, like, I wanted to run around. But back in those days, the full back and the full forward would pretty much just stand in the goal square until the ball. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, the log. It's different now, especially yeah. at AFL level. Of course. But, yeah. at but level, even the kids, you, they're probably. You don't want to stand in the goal square. No. Kids, no. And just. You Were know. you any good? Well, well, I was. I think I was average. I want to hear yourself talk. I want to see. I want to hear you talk yourself up. <laughs> yeah. I was average. I mean, you I, said before that you're in same year as Ben Cousins, and you, you said you were a better footballer than him as a player. <laughs> correct. Look, we, it was very hard to tell because we played on different. We both played for Bulgari Leaving. Although he it was a year younger than me. Okay, um, and still much a much better player than most. You know, pretty much everybody else except you. Except me, but yeah, you couldn't tell that because I spent the whole time standing in the fucking goal square, <laughs> not doing anything. But um, but yeah, it was only good. Yeah, I was I was average. But I mean, I kind of I, when I, by the time I got to the age of sort of fourteen, fifteen, I sort of had to. Well, I didn't have to, but I ended up making making a choice between like sports and arts because at the same time I was also doing theatre and you know I was singing and doing all that kind of stuff and. I think by the time I got to 14, 15, those two worlds just started to kind of, you just, I, just, I just couldn't do both, you know. Yeah. They were two worlds that were going in two very different directions. Bloody oath. So that, where, where were we, no, no. what were we so talking about I'll keep that? going back. So Tuesdays are a light session, get out on the ground, have a kick, have a run around. Yeah. You, you're really in recovery stage. In season, um, like we're running sort of anywhere between 16, 18 kilometres a game. So yeah. that's every weekend. So you Pretty much during the week, you're trying to get your body right for the next yeah. kind of event. So the Tuesday, we do training in the morning, weights in the afternoon, and meetings sort of either side. Mm-hmm. So as a whole overview, most days of the week, we're in from probably 8 o'clock in the morning till we, I get home at 4.35. So you're in the club all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. It's a 9 to 5. Really. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, eight, that's eight what I heard. It, yeah. Yeah, it's become a lot more professional. Yeah, yeah. Um, player welfare has been, you know, it's it's a really important area that I look at because it's gone from you're not spending any time at the club and kind of having to have a job to support yeah, yourself exactly, to yeah. now you're a footballer. Yeah, that's your main goal. You also got to set yourself up after footy. Yeah, because yeah. you can't play footy forever. Yeah, even though I love to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that that kind of side of things come into it. Yeah. So you know you're in you're in the footy club a long time. Um, yeah. Wednesdays we get day off. Thursday's our main session, so we'll do sort of a two-hour session out, out on ground, um, another weight session, and more meetings. Mm. The common thread is meetings. You, you always, you got a, you know, you got a review of the game, yeah, and then you got a review of your own play, yeah, and then you've got uh, upcoming team, so you like oppo uh, right. preview, yeah, and then you'll do like a team preview. You yeah. do your individual like preview of who you're gonna play on. Oh my god! Then you got the line kind of backs mid forward break up. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of intertwined between all the training. Yeah. Day before a game, so we played a Saturday, the Friday. So this week, um, tomorrow, we got a, it's just a light session to yeah. make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to put it into terms in your industry, but little tune up, right? Little and, tune uh, up. Yeah. I mean, feeling good. Yeah. And then yeah, I I basically sit around the couch, watch TV until the last possible moment. Right. I, I kind of have this mental model that if I sit around and do nothing. 
then when I get up, like, geez, I'm going to be, I'm just going to have energy to burn. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm not looking at my watch, like, I'm going to stay here for another three minutes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then game day, straight into it. Get, yeah. Get yeah, I mean, going. it's funny, like, the preparation. I mean, there is definitely a preparation that goes into before you play a gig. I mean, it's obviously very different. Mm. But, um, but yeah, certainly that thing of, like, conserving energy, I want to do as little as possible yeah. before playing a show. But then, like, a couple of hours before the gig, that's when the nerves kick in. And that's when, you know, I guess our jobs would veer in very different directions because that's when I start drinking. <laughs> that's when I, like, open a bottle of wine or... Do you get know. nervous between, before every gig? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, before yeah. every gig. I think nerves are good because I've, I've learned to kind of embrace the nerves because they're on the very odd occasion where I haven't been nervous. Like, there was one time before doing live TV once where I just wasn't nervous at all. I don't know why. Um, I was probably under you probably bed. You probably already started drinking too early. Maybe I was too already drunk. <laughs> and sure enough, I forgot the lyrics to the song and it was, it was live TV. You know, it's like the worst time to do that. Yeah, I think when you're nervous, it means you're kind of... It just means you're kind of switched on, I suppose, and yeah. ready to go. I mean, you must get nervous. Oh, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't get a drink. Yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe we could, maybe we could do something. This is the thing. This is where we, you know, we we where we chose different paths, you know. And I, I chose the one where you know you can kind of get away with, you know. And I always feel sorry for. Well, I don't feel sorry for sportsmen because they make a lot more money than me. But um, <laughs> that's debatable, mate. But they do, uh, you know. You do have to. Um, obviously, there's a lot more discipline, you know, involved, and you are under. Far more of a microscope. Well, you know. I, before I came in here, I was thinking about some stuff we we're going to talk about, and one thing that I kind of did think about was, um, and it's a little bit deep, but we've got yeah, a bit yeah. of time, right? No, please. Uh, like the, the well, the role that we play as role models. Yeah, right? yeah. So musicians are, are looked at as role models. Yeah. So, so are footy players, sports people, right? Yeah. But I kind of feel, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think sports people are held to a certain standard of course. where things don't, you know, where drinking, not yeah. saying that it happens, it's but all it about does. Health. Like, I mean, like athletes, are, yeah. athletes are supposed to... And uh, behaviour, right? Yeah. Whereas rock stars, like you, it's almost like, if he's been a, if he's not doing anything wrong, like... I'm almost failing yeah, at my job. Yeah, yeah. Your role model is like, what's he doing? He's yeah, yeah, a rock star. I know. He's a pussy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, there are a lot of problems that come come into play with that. Okay, for example, in my in my business, you know, where alcohol... I mean, pretty much you're encouraged to drink. Yeah. I mean, what other job is there where you're encouraged to drink? Every time you go, we go to, to work, in inverted commas, which is, you know, going to a gig, um, you do your sound check and then you've got, like, hours to kill before you go on stage and basically just a whole heap of booze is chucked in your room. <laughs> and that's... That's what. That's, Let's get to it. That's your entertainment, you know. So to be completely serious, you know, in the music business, there, you know, there are a hell of a lot of alcoholics, and it's a part of the industry that seems to just kind of not be, yeah, kind of talked about or whatever. Yeah, but, but it's ingrained, right? It's, it's like so it's, the it's the culture. It's the culture. Yeah. yeah, and it's. I mean, also too, throw into the mix that a lot of people that are involved in the arts generally, and music is no exception, often have a propensity for mental illness and stuff like that, which is just one of those weird things that creatives and artists, for, for some reason, also often have a um, predisposition, yeah. if you will, for, um, you know... D- d- various... Well, a creative mind and kind of, 
I'd say that, you know, creating music, creating art, you'd have to spend time in your own head. You have to know, yeah. you know, the, yeah. I think more than other people would. Sure. Right? right. That's true. And I, and I think sometimes like having your, if your brain's wired a little bit differently to, to the way it's supposed to, that's kind of where creativity yeah. often can come from. So there's a, there's a kind of loose connection between those things. So then you throw like alcohol and drugs and stuff into the mix. Yeah. Are you getting any? It's pretty, it's pretty volatile, you, you know. You're getting any illicit drugs uh, tests before you perform? Exactly. That's what, like, straight after, like. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking about, like, you know, not casting a, a blanket here, but, like, no. if we're throwing uh, drug tests into music industry, oh. I reckon there'd be a few suspensions. I think there would be a lot of people <laughs> that would never be allowed to make music again. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's just... That's a part of our daily routine. So, so yeah, run us basically, through the... basically there's, um, uh, in terms of testing there's two bodies um one is asada which is under wada so the world anti-doping association which uh the whole essendon saga that's that's what that was covered under which is um illegal substances so performance enhancing yeah um steroids blood doping that sort of stuff so they're they're more official i guess um that's one side of it and then the other side is illicit drugs yeah which the afl and the afl players have agreed to we're not forced to do it but we've kind of the role models thing, yeah, yeah, is, sure. Um, you know, we well, it's play. almost like if you, you know, if you're not volunteering to do something, yeah. immediately there's yeah, like, well, they must all be doing hard. Oh, yeah. exactly. So yeah. we participate in that. We've done that for numerous years. Um, uh, only, only because of what they say in the media, it's, it's, I think the best in Australia, almost worldwide, mm. in terms of a, a, a culture of a sport that participates in it voluntary, voluntarily. Yeah. So yeah, the water stuff that's more serious. So. They can they can come to your house any point, any time. Wow. Um, you have to they have to know your location twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year. That's so insane. A month ago, I had a knock on the door at five in the morning. You're kidding. Uh, I got I got two dogs that sleep with me. Uh, I got my wife, and it shocks you. Like five in the morning, I'm like what's going on here? Like and it's a bang 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 bang, and I it never happened to me before. But I'd heard other boys that it happened. And I was I was rattled. I got a big, yeah. I got a big bull mastiff. He's gone off his head, and I was yeah, like, yeah. someone's trying to break in. I ran downstairs in my jocks, opened the door, and there's four people standing in pretty much lab coats. Uh, Will, you can't leave our site. You're, uh, you've been selected for a SADA drug test. Wow. Um, you've got to go sit down. So you've got to go sit down for 20 minutes. Um, your blood has to kind of cool, and right. they do blood tests and urine test, and that's testing for performance enhancing. Yeah. So that can be 20, that can be anywhere, anytime. Wow. Um, illicit drugs... Not so formal, I guess. They come to the club. We, we still don't know when they're coming, so they could yeah. rock up Monday morning, they could rock up day of the game yeah. and test you for illicit substances. Yeah. Um, and and they do hair tests. That's hair testing. So hair testing is a bit different to, uh, I guess, urine testing. Right. So um, the hair testing is still kind of in a trial period where they come in and they, they snip pieces of hair out and they can tell like a maybe a two, three-month period of right. what you've been doing. Your history, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... There, there hasn't really been many detections, and yeah. I think the industry is like eight hundred players of guys eighteen yeah, yeah. to thirty. Yeah. If you took a sample like that from society, the general population, sure, mate, yeah, it'd, it'd be, be a lot. Different. It'd be a lot different. Yeah. So, I mean, guys look after themselves one because of the stigma publicly, but two, like you got to do it as a professional athlete. You can't yeah, be going on benders on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's pretty interesting though. Like, I mean, that's that's a big pressure that's on a lot of guys, and yeah, yeah. and I'm sure there's. Um, guys in the league that feel the pressure they've got mates outside of footy that you know play music they sure, have yeah. normal jobs they party they yeah do what any it's about sacrifice does, though yeah. isn't it i mean yeah, right. you know like i suppose everybody 
in every job has to make certain sacrifices, I guess. And I suppose for the elite athlete, it's mm. it's that kind of form of discipline. You yeah. Know? I guess everybody probably has elements of their work life that yeah, you know, definitely where they have to kind of give give shit up. You know? I reckon. Uh, so I think in footy it happens a bit. It's why people fall off the wagon a little bit after footy. So I was speaking a bit before right. about you know life after footy. Footy doesn't yeah. last forever. Um, yeah, guys fall off the wagon one because they've lived this life that's it's not superior but like you know you got to do things that the norm don't yeah, have yeah. to do right yeah, yeah. and then you finish footy and the day it's you finish all... footy you're like well, what am I doing now I've got, yeah, yeah. got nothing to hold me I've got, I've got nothing to hold me yeah. in place kind of thing so I think a few guys if you haven't got the right structures the right support system they kind of fall off the edge and yeah. sports people have the mental health side of things as well Yeah, because I think you got to you got to be wired a bit differently to kind yeah. of do it yeah. sacrifice you make and yeah. it, it, it's at times a solo a solo thing you know yeah, in pre-season yeah. when we're away you're pretty much training by yourself with a watch and music in years yeah yeah so um i think that happens a bit as well yeah yeah i mean i think there's like talking about the wiring of the brain and you know with football players the thing that i noticed most is like and the thing that i recognized in myself as like somebody that's just not wired that way is it's just the like whole putting like having you've got to be a little bit fearless you know mm. um I think in an artist, as an artist, you have to be fearless, but in a very non-physical way. <laughs> but as a sports person, and particularly a footballer, you, I, I don't know how you can, you know, just do things where you know, you, you put yourself in situations where you know you're going to get hurt and you just do it anyway. Like, yeah. I, I definitely could not do that. Yeah, but see, like, I think about this a lot with other, like anyone, right? But Sam, seeing with you, like... I've seen gigs and guys play and been backstage and like, and watch and just think like, how how are you even doing that? <laughs> so you, and you're in your yeah, head, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm drunk, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I'm on the side of the field, like that's 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 my profession. So I'm yeah, yeah. like, I'm not thinking about oh, I'm gonna get hurt here. Yeah, it's not one. And just like you, like you're not thinking oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stuff I'm gonna stuff this up here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're thinking about I'm just thinking of nail it. Yeah, is, yeah. Be fucking awesome. Or some, or I guess like you get to a point too where you've gone like oh yeah, even if I do stuff it yeah. up, it'll be fine. Yeah, so correct. Too, like, correct. Oh, I'm gonna get Mate, crunched. Exactly. I'm gonna go back gonna... to the meeting room. People are gonna rag me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week. Yeah. Um, do you get tired? Are you do you move around a bit or like? Uh, I, I, I know I know some guys are like. Jebediah definitely. Yeah, Jebediah is like a workout. Yeah, it's it's a workout, and you're on stage for like an hour, hour. Well, no, on stage for an hour, an hour and a quarter. Actually, the tour that Jebs did um, last year, we did this 20th anniversary tour, and we we played our first album from. Oh, well, yeah, we did two sets, so we went on and we we played for like about an hour, just playing songs from across our career, and then had like a 20 minute in, intermission, and then came back on and played our first album from beginning to end. So we were playing like something like 28 songs a night and on stage for you know, two and a half hours or something. And that was really... And it's night after night, right? Hard. Like, uh, well, the most we did in a row was four. Right. Four nights in a row was the most we did. Right. And, that's, that was, and one of those times was all in Melbourne. The other time we did four in a row, there was a travel day. There was one in Adelaide and three in Perth. So... So there was some travel in there, and basically by the end of that tour, for the first time ever, I had went to an ear, nose, and throat specialist because my voice was even worse than it sounds now. I and uh, they I got an endoscopy uh, where they put uh, it's like a tiny t- 
tiny, tiny little camera at the end of this long wire and they put it through your nose and then down the back of your throat and that's how they check your vocal cords and stuff. So you're probed? So yeah, yeah, I was basically I was probed <laughs> and they check the vocal cords and you've got, you know, yeah, the vocal cords are like these two little sort of, uh, it's hard to, people can't see but what I'm doing <laughs> with my hands so I won't try and explain it but um, yeah, just like two little elastic bands that kind of, you know, yeah. vibrate, hit, hit up against each other and um, yeah, they check for like uh, nodules or bleeding and tearing, scarring, all that kind of stuff. Huh. As it turned out, it was, I, he gave me the all clear. But I was convinced that, I, it was the mo- I wasn't convinced, but it's the closest I've ever been to being really scared like of having nodules and stuff because that involves surgery. Right. They literally have to cut them right. off your vocal cords, which is a pretty scary prospect. I don't know what the football equivalent would be, be like ACL knees, or something. Knees, like. knees are the one. Like yeah, yours yeah. is throat, ours is knees. Like, yeah. Because everything you do is knees. Just yeah. like everything And it's, you do that's the right. kind of thing that can put you out for a season. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, or more. You know, if it's something like, you know, some guy's stuck in the the arthritis or, you know, um, tendonitis and it doesn't go away and sometimes you can't have surgery and so it's just like some guys, especially later in your career, you mm. suck in that and the writing's, you know, put on the wall that, yeah, you know, career's starting to wind up. And uh, just talking, you know, because we touched on it before, and we'll get onto music really soon. Yeah, um, I, I sent you my top ten. Yeah, have, yeah. Have you, have you got that? Yeah, I do. I do. You know, um, that was hard, right? Well, did was that your top ten? We don't. We don't have to get into that now. If you yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, we may as well. So yeah, hard. so I asked, I asked you to uh, just sort of put together a top ten list, and yeah. and the idea is that um, that you know, music being the soundtrack to our lives, you know. If the the songs that you listen to the most can you know often uh, bring up stories and memories and all that kind of thing and yeah um, so I asked you for your well should we just get into that then? yeah I Probably. think so like because well before we start with actually what they are yeah have you ever had to do that name your top ten favorite songs oh of course yeah I'm always being asked to do lists do you find it hard oh yeah of course but it changes yeah it just changes yeah so like, I kind of did it like it's very hard for it to be definitive yeah I looked at kind of music. When I started really first, a lot of the songs in this list, uh, I guess what I thought kind of shaped what I like in music. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like I listen to music like anyone else now. Yeah. And there's new songs that I like, but the songs on this list are to do with, and all all of them have a story as well yeah. about my first origins of listening to music and yeah. how yeah. Well, I was yeah. let's let's get into it. I was very interested. The one that. And you'll know what I'm talking about. The one that immediately, um, <laughs> immediately got drew my attention. Yeah, was the song that came in at number eight, and it's "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys. Yep. Will Schofield, please explain. So, karaoke. This is as close yep. as I get to your profession, right? Right. Okay. It's a karaoke song. That's my karaoke song. Right. I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. Now th- I won't be doing a performance today. Okay, absolutely. Uh, uh, I'll spare you that. that. Um, but so I want it that way. I'm just trying to think. That must. I mean, that's a pretty old song. That he was off Millennium. I know a few of their albums. Wow. <laughs> so how did you even come to? Know- nah, mate. It's uh, it's a bit of a piss take. Um, how were you introduced to Backstreet Boys? Just from the radio, or did you have? You no, know, I think I'd, it was just around at the time that yeah, I yeah. guess I was starting to listen to music. Yeah. And um, I quickly was aware that it was probably not not the coolest sort of stuff no. to be listening to. But I had a wedding and we had to learn that song. This is a while ago. Yeah. We had to learn that song and kind of do it as a bit of a gag at the uh, wedding. Okay. But before that, I knew the words already. It was my idea to do that song. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just, I'm just trying to talk my way out of why Backstreet Boys made my top ten. At this wedding, we had to learn this song. I mean, I chose... To be, to be honest, it's my karaoke song. 
if I ever have to do karaoke, I sing that song. I'm, I'm, I've got no shame. I've got no shame in it. Yeah, and I'm well, very good at it. I'm very good at I it. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine you are. You are. Um, my yeah. Can you remember the video clip? Was that one where was that the song where um they're not all in white? They're not at the airport. Um, it, it, oh, I the think sh- I think it could be that. I think it could be all in white at the airport. Yeah, I got the feeling it's on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, yeah on the tarmac, and I think it's that song anyway. So. Um, and uh, yeah, but I've got the private jet sort of in the background, and it's, it's not it's not getting a gig on my playlist now. But yeah, I, I'm. You think it would be not, one? Of the, you think it'd be one of the songs? What would happen if um. You know, during the Eagles warm up leading into going on the ground, if that suddenly just, if you hijacked the uh, playlist and just put that on, could you, could, would that have the potential to completely jeopardise the game? So, like, music is a big part of sport, right? This is another thing I thought about. Yeah. Sport and music, right? Yeah. Or, I guess, musicians and sports people. Yeah. There's a lot of sports people that have a lot to do with music. That like music drives sports people. You, you'll find 10 of the boys listening to music. Yeah, headphones on. Everyone. Yeah, you see it. But musicians, I reckon there'd be a lot of musicians that don't really love sport. Yeah. Like, music has a lot more to do with sport than sport does music. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think in the world of rock and roll, it it is surprising to me how many people follow AFL. Yeah, And I think, I don't know, I think it maybe is a bit of a Melbourne thing as well. Yeah. Because in Melbourne, unlike any other city to, to this degree, Melbourne, I think, is quite unique in this regard, is that... It's the one place where these two seemingly, as you've mentioned, opposing kind of cultures and worlds, football and music, coexist in a way that... Is almost... it the pub scene? Is it like... Because there's pub scene stronger in Melbourne than anywhere else in sure. Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. The music scene, it's definitely the home of music in mm. Australia, and it's also, you know, the home of AFL as well. And it's for, yeah, like music, music and football coexist in a way that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. Do you know what... Apart from maybe in Europe, you know, and with the... With their football and music, you know, I think like places like London and um, and perhaps places in Spain or whatever, you know, like there's probably a, a, a bit of, you know, a lot of kind of The thing that brings these things together, I don't know if you've realised it by talking about it, it's alcohol. <laughs> people, people love getting on the piss and watching footy. Yeah, yeah. Or getting on the piss and listening and to music. And listening to music. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's maybe. the booze. Yeah, I mean, if it's true. Um, I'm thinking maybe I should be drinking before games. And sport, yeah, I mean, they're both yeah, forms of entertainment. And yeah, you don't want to drink before a game. Nah, you get a stitch just <laughs> as soon as it's been by warming up, yeah. you get a stitch. I also, too, wanted to ask you because, you know, I, I live in, um, in Ocean Grove now, which is uh, on the, on the coast, west coast of Victoria. And, um, and you grew up in Geelong. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So born. Born and in bred Geelong. in Geelong. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was born in, yeah. St. John Miguel Hospital, Geelong, and yeah. uh, we, I grew up in Grovedale, which is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you know this, yeah, five, I, ten minutes from... Yep, driven through Grovedale a few times. Yeah, so I went to primary school in Grovedale at a um, public school there, Yeah, and uh, it was pretty rough, it was actually pretty rough looking back on it, Yeah, but, like, I guess rough, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a fair, I think it's fair to say, I mean, I've only been living in that area for a couple of years, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that Ge- you know there are Geelong and and some of its outer suburbs are pretty rough. For yeah, for Geelong it's rough. For the world, it's not rough. Of course, yeah. yeah. But uh, and then moved to Newtown, which uh, it's a nice area. And okay, um, yes. Yeah. And went uh, went to school at Geelong College. Yeah. Uh, private school, so it was very different schooling. Like growing up. Was um, your did you 
um, have any kind of sports related scholarships or anything? Uh, like no, no scholarships. Mum and dad worked really hard to put me through school, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm forever grateful because I had a great schooling. Um, yeah. Both my brothers went to Geelong College as well, and my dad went to Geelong Grammar, so it was kind of uh, okay. there's a big rivalry in Geelong, Geelong Grammar, Geelong College. Okay. And I kind of had to choose what I wanted to do, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, to, where to go. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I had a terrific childhood. Mum and dad, very supportive. Sport is like one of those things growing up where you got to have your parents or 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 someone that cares about you driving you places. Sure, yeah, you can't yeah. drive yourself anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, like going into elite sport around the ages of sort of like 14, 15, 16, it starts getting more serious. And the more you have to play, more rep sides you're in, sure. kind of builds up into getting drafted, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And that whole time you can't drive yourself anywhere. Yeah. You're not paying for anything. Yeah, yeah. You still got to like eat and live like, you know, especially 16, 17, you got to live and eat like an elite athlete. Yeah. Your mum and dad are pretty so much yeah, totally supporting that. Yeah. It's but, a massive commitment, isn't it? And it would involve the whole family. Do you have brothers? Yeah, I've got two brothers. Yeah. Uh, two older brothers, much older. So I'm uh, I'm 28. My my youngest brother, I guess, is uh, 41. Oh, wow. And my eldest is like 47. 46. Right, wow. Yeah. So there's quite a bit of a gap. So yeah. growing up, they were kind of. Yeah, like one of them was 18 when I was born. Yeah, so, right. So, yeah, almost like... Uh, it's like in between your parents kind of thing. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting growing up. But Geelong, it's a good it's a good place to, to grow up. Yeah. I'm not sure if I moved back there, though. I think I think I'm kind of Perth. What um, what age did you get drafted? I was 17 when I was drafted. Yeah. So I was a bottom so age. So you earn your last year of high school? Uh, yeah, so I finished, I finished high school the year I was drafted. So I finished in... Um, when did you finish? Like October. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, was drafted in October. Yeah. So I finished, went to schoolies in Byron Bay yeah, yeah. Uh, and got drafted the last day of schoolies yeah. and moved to Perth two days later. So I had oh, to fly shit. fly out of schoolies. Wow. Straight, and then, yeah, you kind of straight... Straight into it. Yeah, you know, I didn't know one person over here. So you come to a footy club where they're just everything and they still, yeah. pretty much it still is. Like you, you, you create contacts outside the footy club. Yeah. But the general, like this is my 10th year, the general gist is... The footy club's your family. Yeah, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, like you with traveling and that sort of stuff. I was just gone from home, really. I, I, yeah. I would have been home maybe two or three times a year for... Did it take long yeah. to adjust? Uh, no, I needed to get out of home. Yeah, right, yeah. you were ready to go. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of like pretty much an only child growing up. I was going to say, yeah, because your brothers are so much older. Yeah, yeah. so moved out, yeah, happy to get out of home. Because Geelong, like, Geelong's a big footy town. So yeah. everyone, when I was when I was kind of around the possibly getting drafted, everyone would ask, "Do you want to get drafted to Geelong?" Mm. And I couldn't have think of anything worse because I would have had to stay living at home with right. my dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it would have just been a fishbowl. Yeah. So yeah. I was saying, so I couldn't have, I couldn't have moved further away. Really, West Coast. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and what about when you were a kid growing up in Geelong? What are your sort of what's your earliest memory of music? Yeah, nothing too young, but I know my first concert, and this yeah. is probably like doing full circle back to the top ten. <laughs> it's not Backstreet Boys, I'll, is it? No, it's not Backstreet Boys. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a. Uh, I'm gonna forget the name. It was kind of like a big day out kind of thing, mm. um, and it was meant to be for 18 and over, and we were about 14. Whereabouts was it? It was at um like Rod Laver Arena is huh? now. Yeah, yeah. It was um, mate, you could have even been playing. I don't know there. what it was. Uh, Lincoln Park was the was the. That was why I went to see oh, Lincoln okay. Park. I oh, know we've never played with Lincoln Park. Uh, um, but like Living End played there. Okay. Uh, Friends will rom. Right. Yeah, it. Um, I remember going into one one kind of band, and it was like a punk 
rock kind of scene where there was like death pits opening up in the right. and we were like 14, 15 years old yeah, yeah. and I'd never been to anything live before yeah, yeah. and I've rocked in here and there's guys just smacking out yeah, yeah, yeah. heavy music I'm not proud that Linkin Park was like <laughs> I'm not proud um, yeah I mean that just that thing the way you're describing you know the uh, circle I don't even know what they call it um, but yeah is it basically like people got like a, a sort of Opening in the crowd, yeah. oh, they go around in a circle, don't they? Yeah, and, kind of and like then people jump in into each other, smashing into each other. Yeah, it's a weird. Does that happen at your concerts? Never. Oh, I think like, <clears throat> look, there may have been one or two times where some people may have tried to start one, right? Um, at a Jebediah like, gig. Just enjoy the music. It's just relaxing. Can we? Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's always struck me as a really weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, I've never understood that that cultural. What thing. sort of would give me? I don't know. Is putting on the spot a bit, but weird stuff that happened you get a weirdest thing that's happened in the crowd while you've been playing for me personally the weirdest things that happen are when there are fights because you know again I find that kind of aggression and stuff in crowds I find it really hard to understand there was one time at a all ages gig long 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 time ago with at a Jebediah show where a girl managed to get caught in the she was right at the front row where the crowd barrier was. And the crowd barrier is, you know, like this sort of grated, this kind of great, steel grate thing. And she somehow managed to get her um, uh, belly button piercing caught inside this grating of the stage barrier and she couldn't move. Oh, that's and bad. can you imagine how that's painful bad. it would be too? You'd, like the slightest move could rip it out or whatever. And yeah, we, I think from memory, we kind of had to stop the show and security people had to come down and try and... Like, I don't know, what are the chances of something like that happening? It's like, it was so bizarre, but... It's like the, uh, uh, something about Mary saying, like, we got a bleeder, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we got a bleeder. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she would have only been, like, you know, 14 or 15 or something. I'd say it was like an under-18s gig a long time ago, but... Yeah, right. Yeah, that's probably one of the more unusual things that I can remember. I mean, like, weird stuff kind of happens all the time, and you, mm. you, and especially on stage, too, like... I don't really notice a lot of stuff that's going on. Mm. Like, there's always such bright lights on the stage that sometimes when you look at it, all you're really seeing is darkness. You can't really... Uh-huh. It's very hard to see sort of, you know, specific things that are going on out there. So I miss a lot of uh, a lot of what's going on. And also, too, I'm short-sighted. So, um, you know, without glasses, you know, pretty much... Does that help? Do you everything think? in the distance does that is help? a bit of a blur. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. I don't, at least I don't get distracted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, because well, like obviously we play in front of crowds as well. Like there, yeah. there's a pretty common thread there. How? Yeah, like how? Do you notice? Nah, well, a lot of the crowd. Are... Not really. No. Nah. But my wife, the first time I ever saw her, right? She was in the crowd at the footy, and I and I. This is a bit weird, right? Because yeah. she, she, the the reason I'm married to her is she doesn't love footy. Like she, right. you know, I don't, I, you never get married, or I don't think you could ever get married to someone that was a massive Eagles fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah the last like, thing you want to do is, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be, I mean, my wife is a massive music fan and she was a Jebediah fan when we met. But yeah, for me, it would be she like, wasn't a group I wasn't interested in being with another musician. Yeah, you know? correct. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, and I don't notice the crowd either. Um, there'll be, like certain little comments you might hear every now and then. Mm. Usually at these days it's about my hair or my beard or <laughs> the shit kick I just did. Yeah, it's yeah. always negative. There's no like well done Schofield, like good job. Oh, I'm sure there is. You don't I'm hear sure it. You just you just hear you, you just, just hear, hear the tears, bad stuff. But you yeah. do you remember the bad stuff. But yeah. this one time, this is eight years ago, I was coming to the bench 
and Alex, my wife, still has the seats that she was in these this day. As you come off the interchange for our games, when you look straight ahead, Alex's head is right there. Yeah. And she just happened to be... She was travelling at the time and she happened to be at the game. Yeah, right. And game day, I sort of locked eyes with her. Uh, like, I've never done that to wow. anyone. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, every game I see, oh, chicks in the crowd. No, no, like, no. Hey, how are you? Never done it and never done it again. Only yeah. Alex. Wow. And then that night, went out randomly and girl at the bar. And I was like... Did I see? Did I oh see you in the crowd? Were you wearing the? Uh, she was wearing this beret thing. I was like, "Were you wearing that beret?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "We we lock eyes." And then yeah. no way. Yeah. So how long ago was that? She actually told me. She actually said to me that night that she doesn't date footballers, and yeah, she flicked me that night. I and so I ended up meeting up with her three months later, and I was oh. like, "You're that chick that told me you don't date footballers." Anyway, no way. Yeah, so that was like eight years ago. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And so whereabouts is she from? She's from Mandra. Okay. Yeah. And she was just like in, it, that was obviously in Perth. At- yeah. So she was living in Fremantle at the time, but she was traveling around and her, her family's always supported West Coast. They were kind of right, okay. on them right at the start. And yeah. um, they're in the surf industry. So they kind okay. of had a bit to do with guys that were surfing at the club and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it was just kind of all intertwined and wow. meant to be, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Let's go to another song. Let's see. What about, I was intrigued by uh, number number five as well number five was this uh, is in no particular order by the way yeah yeah i know I'm, that's yeah good. i probably shouldn't even no, that's the good numbers. that's all right um so yeah one of the other songs was uh eskimo joe's london, london bombs. bombs um and that's intrigued me because i'm you know friends with those guys we yeah. share the same manager and cav the singer we did this basement birds thing so yeah i know those guys quite well tell tell me uh your experience with this song well I'm sure everyone, and this doesn't have to be musicians, likes singing along with things, right? That was the first album that I reckon I knew every single word wow. to, to every song. That fingernails red wine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, sure was, it was yeah. when I was in year 12, and uh, like I said, I got drafted at the end of year 12, but yeah. I, I studied really hard, and I was I was pretty proud. I came out of year 12 with like a really good, really good mark, and I, and I worked really hard at school yeah. while playing a lot of sport. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. when I used to study... I used to have this CD player in my room. Yeah. And I had like, I literally had like, I don't know why I didn't buy more, but I had like two CDs. <laughs> and one of them was the Eskimo Joe CD. Yeah, right. And it was just like, it was on repeat. And it was almost like soothing for my brain to like right. study. But I knew every, and I used to sing with it. And London Bombs, it was just, that was that was my pick of the album. Yeah, yeah. But as does the song meaning ever, have you ever sort of... I've, I've, I've sat down and listened to the words probably because we actually... Uh, for our, I just got married last year and we kind of had to we we're picking a few songs so like songs to walk down the aisle to okay like are, are you married you're yeah, your yeah. wife right yeah and wife kids kids yeah so I don't know we, we picked a whole bunch of songs um, London Bombs I kind of listened to that because I remembered it like a vivid song in my mind but the meaning of the song probably not so much mm. but it's more yeah it's more like it was, that was a big song for me like I, yeah. well, that record was huge yeah I mean that was like one of the biggest Australian albums of of, it, of of that year that it came out of its time and you know it's funny like when you say like you know you had a couple of CDs and that was one like I think that record you know when you sell as many as many records as that record does you you go you sort of move beyond like you kind of move through all these different kind of cultures communities and all that kind of stuff um, to the point where by the time you're going like four times platinum or whatever that record did you're starting to hit people that like 
maybe only own a couple of records or yeah. maybe only buy one record a year and it's like that one, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I think Powderfinger, you know, we're at, at that sort of level for a while there as well and the record just kind of seeps through so deep into the layers of, like, the consciousness of Australia that it's just amazing to yeah, watch does, when that hey? stuff happens. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it was interesting sitting down and writing so- about the songs that I thought influenced me and my music taste because... Yeah. Yeah, it's about stories like that. That like you know, Australian. Yeah. It's got to be. There's a few more Australian bands in that top ten. And yeah, like, yeah. And kind of what you're influenced by. It's like yeah, you know where it's at. I suppose. Yeah. All right, let's go for one more. All right. Um, uh, this is another one that interested me too. I just pretty much just picked out the ones that. Uh, you sort of embarrassed me the most. No, 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 that I kind of that I, you know, had something that to talk about with as well. Um, I've got a story uh, for every one of those songs. What about Grinspoon, Chemical Heart? Yeah, again, it's a similar story, but it was when I first bought my first iPod, right? Ah, yeah. So, you know, like, before iPhones, like, iPods were, like, thick. They oh, were, they were I've big. still got mine. Yeah. Like, I loved it. I'm really pissed off that I don't make them anymore. Yeah, like, they were, they were almost like the Nokia 3310s, right? I don't I've got think absolutely could... no idea what that is, but... What? A Nokia, Nokia 3310? Like, Hang I know on. I've got an Hang iPhone, on, but, you know, phones... This is your era. 30, <laughs> Nokia 3310. I never had one. What do you mean? I never had Everyone one. Everyone had a Nokia 3310. <laughs> they were the yeah, brick. That was the, the, that was the well, quintessential, unbreakable brick. It's possible. Maybe... Maybe I, you used to call maybe it. Maybe I did have one, and I just... It was just my phone, you know? I didn't sort of get, like... I didn't get intimately knowledgeable with it, you know? Well, this iPod, right, was just like... It was like... I used to, I used to go to sleep listening to this stuff and so I had a mate who was a massive music fan and he used to be you know this was back in like 2000 and like 2 2001 where okay or 2003 kind yeah of, yeah, yeah it would have been that when, that, area. when that song came out yeah it, it was probably about 2001 2002, yeah. yeah so but back then downloading illegal music right yeah no one used to know how to do it except my mate <laughs> except your friend so yeah. i i feel bad being a musician here it's like yeah i used to yeah but he used to give me all his songs yeah, yeah and yeah. grinspoon was like massive um yeah influence like yeah stuff like grinspoon and fuel but yeah like kind of like grungier triple j kind of yeah. stuff and um yeah and chemical heart Another song I knew every word to. Yeah, yeah. I used to listen to it when I go to sleep. So, yeah, that's, yeah, Grinspoon's third album. Um, I think it's called New Detention. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I know, I've know i known Phil. Jebediah and Grinspoon kind of, uh, we kind of started around about the same time. Um, they won a Triple J. They were the very first winners of Triple J on Earth, I think. Mm. And Jebediah won a band competition, a university band competition. And we... Uh, yeah, for the first sort of, for the, from from about '96 through to like the early 2000s, we really always released our al- albums at the same time and we sort of played a lot of the same festivals and yeah, we sort of like had this uh, kind of early, you know, uh, early years as bands kind of was a bit side by side for a while there. Yeah, it was probably a little bit of um, was it a rivalry? Bit of rivalry. Doctor yeah. Eagles. Probably more. <laughs> we were definitely the Eagles. Um, probably no. It's probably more AFL versus NRL. That's what it was. Oh yeah. Um, 
because you know like New South Wales. But yeah, yeah and definitely. The, and the NRL shit. So yeah, <laughs> I'm it's, just, it's just no. a different. It's a different world. It's a different world. It's a world that you I sound, you sound like a sportsman answering a bloody press conference. Yeah. <laughs> like diplomatic. Well, no, line. it's totally true though. NRL, yeah. I just don't get it. I don't. I actually don't understand the rules. Yeah. And and when I do see it on TV, it just looks kind of dumb to me. Mm. I just see people bashing into each other and and. Um, it's just, I've never really understood the appeal. Yeah, I do, don't, do you, I, I, I watch it. I'm like a massive sport. Like I, I watch. Will you watch sport. any sport? Yeah, I will. At yeah. an elite level, though. Yeah, like yeah. Um, and I also. There's got to be. Is it got to be a sport that you don't like? Um, like I'm not a massive fan of basketball. Okay. Because I, I feel like anything good that happens happens in the last two minutes. Yeah, yeah. They call it timeouts. Like it's it's very stop starty. Yeah, well, that's like American footballs like that too. See, I'm, I love American football. But that's stop starty, right? Yeah, it is. So it mustn't be the stop starting. I haven't watched a lot of it. It's more, it's more like I feel like the plays in basketball. It's not crucial until the last two minutes. Whereas yeah. NFL, like every play you do is crucial. If you if you drop a ball, yeah. if you don't make. Well, a it's throw, so technical. Yeah, too. And I think that can be difficult for somebody who doesn't who doesn't know about it to get into yeah. because there's a lot of rules. So many, yeah, yeah. and a lot just, of whistles, and then you and the game stops, and you're like, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. But yeah, I'm a big fan of that. But like, I'll watch, I promise you, there's not a sport in the world I couldn't watch the finals of. Yeah, yeah. So like, when there's yeah, something on the line. I get that. You know, like, yeah, yeah. when I'd you be can the, see. I'd be the bit the same. You can see people, like, yeah. every decision they make. Yeah. That's going to be like. Yeah. Win, like, not win or lose, but like, make or break. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I could watch almost any sport if it was like, yeah, a final or yeah. like, you know the um at the absolute sort of pinnacle that everything's been leading up to because yeah. you can engage in the drama even if you don't really know what's going on you can engage on the drama of the situation yeah. you know because you're seeing people like just fucking giving it everything or stressing out or i think the olympics is pretty i think that's pretty cool and i'd love, I'd love to olympics, i'd love yeah. to do something olympics maybe you and i could i'd love maybe, to just go yeah. Well, what about I, we can maybe compete? Like, what do you like at beach volleyball? Ah, uh, beach volleyball. I feel be like you, you I, was just a, I was scramble. a runner. Okay, how about this? I used to do athletics, right? Same. I was the middle distance runner. Same. Did you do 1500? 800s. Oh, okay. Let's compare PBs. All right. Okay, so I finished. <laughs> You're going to be like shaping up on the chair. Like, let's, let's compare PBs. It's funny. I've never, I've never talked about this before. This, is, this will be the first time I've ever talked about it. I don't, I don't know why. Exclusive. But, but yeah, well, it is. It's because I think, um, well, for a start, like being a musician, you just don't really talk about sport no one very wants much. to know. Yeah. Oh, you don't really talk. And also, the, your past, bringing up past sporting glories, it's just so like whatever. <laughs> so many people do it. I hear so many people do it. I mean, you like you're in a position where you've actually had a sporting career, so it's different. But for so many people, and it's mostly a fucking guy thing. I never hear girls do this. Like guys, like they always kind of. Talk about, oh, yeah, well, back when I was in high school, oh, I was pretty good at, you know, inserts name of sport here. And usually it's just like, yeah, whatever. You, you know, you probably just played it at school and, right. you know, you were the best out of your little group of friends or whatever. Right? It's the worst. It's right. just like, I don't... So now that's part of the reason why I've never really talked about it in public anyway. I, you know, to my kids and my wife, I do, because, you know, I know I'll get, You're gonna get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I did 800s and 1500s and I... I stopped about the same. I kept going a little bit after I did, you know, footy. Um, so I think when I was six, I, I, I did the 800 in 
201 when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And 1500 in... That's quick for 16 year old. 417 for 1500. Wow. See, I had this mental, like, mental barrier at 801 metres. <laughs> I could never... Like, even at training, I my coach used to try and get me to do 1K, like, 1K yeah, repetitions. Right. I'd be like, nah, mate. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that. Right. So I never run 1500s. But oh, okay. I've thought I, I, I used to hate 800. I preferred 1500 because 800 was like a fucking sprint. <laughs> look at us. Look at us. Just like yeah, <laughs> we were runners. Well, 800. I did. I wasn't 16. I was 17. So I was in year 12. I did one, yeah. uh, 152. Yeah. Wow, that's fucking fast. But. I had a year on you. I think I was. Still, I, think you, I think you were quicker as a sixteen-year-old. You, you must have been running like. You national. improved that much. Yeah. In this, in that, in between sixteen like, and seventeen. Uh, my kind of footy career is a little bit like that as well. Like, um, as a 15-year-old, 15 I was always like good at footy, but I was never the best in the team. Like, this is yeah. any level. I didn't make any rep sides. Wow. I'm 15 year old, 14. Yeah, right. And then when I turned 16 and my year as a 16 year old, I kind of grew from like one, maybe I would have been like 187, 189 yeah. to what I am now to like 196. Right. So that growth wow. spell turned me from like just a regular 189 yeah, right. normal player to a key position guy that could run. Right. So that kind of, yeah, changed, oh, it changed my life in the end, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah, I, that's why I improved because I that's my insane. legs my legs probably grew like five centimeters. So yeah, I was that's like amazing. Getting some like extra yeah, yeah. kind of springs. So I had a big growth spurt, and then people started looking at me. Like growing up, and at, even just before I got drafted, I had people telling me I'd never play AFL. I'd never, yeah, yeah. I never. I don't know if people tell you that as well. Like you oh, know, you're not going to make it. People have even even after making it in better <laughs> comments, people still tell me that. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm terrible. You're having a phone conversation this morning. How can a guy with a voice like that have a fucking career in music? Yeah, I think it's motivating though. Like, I, I, I still, this is weird. Like, I haven't really done much like this before just having a chat. So yeah. I'm kind of thinking stuff as we go. Sure. I, in the airport, um, just this week, just this week gone, we played in Melbourne. And in the airport, I walked past this guy. Um, his name is um, Schwab. And his first name, I can't think. But he... He literally was my guy that I wanted to prove wrong. Him, Schwab. Was he like is a common? So he was a he was a he used to play yeah, Peter Schwab. Yeah, he used to play for Melbourne, Melbourne or Hawthorne. Coached somewhere. I think he had some association with Melbourne. And he picked this representative side when I was seventeen. So this is when I this is when people started rate me as a footballer, and they were like, right. you know, he might be a chance to get drafted. And, I made the um, Geelong rep side or whatever. Yeah, and they picked this this side out of the school teams around Melbourne. And I didn't even make the squad of like 60 um, of kids that age. And right. I, I, that was a really important year for my footy because it's like a lot of pressure when you're a 17 year old because yeah. only like 60 people get picked up. Anyway, this Schwab guy, I remember I went to the training session and he didn't pick me in the squad. And I remember him saying, mate, I just, I don't think you'll ever make it at AFL level. That's why you're not in the squad. Yeah, yeah. And I remember his face. I remember the way he looked yeah, at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, he and like, it. And like, yeah. And I walked past him in the airport last week and he wouldn't know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't he remember. Wouldn't, nah. yeah. And I just felt like saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always played 150 games now, 10 years. Like, yeah, you should have. <laughs> you know, fuck with him. <laughs> you don't remember me, but here's what happened. <laughs> so if you listen to, listen to this, how are you, Shorby? But that's, I mean, look, I think that's an important story, you know, because... You know, when when you do get told that you, you know, by someone that they think you can't do something or that you'll never do something, 
you know, there are, you've got two choices of how to take that information, you know, how to use that information, you know, and, um, I, you know, I'm often the same. Like, I, I, when, when I get told, you know, that I'm not good enough for something or my voice isn't good enough. And this like, is from people stuff. that you respect as well, like, pe- sure, not, n- like Nuffies. Not, not nuffies. always from people that I respect, but just from people. Maybe you know, higher up in. Like, yeah, journalists yeah. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I've had that heaps over the years and I often use that as motivation, you know. It's good. It's good to kind of prove people wrong. You know? I reckon. And it's good to have that in in you. I reckon it holds you in good stead. So you you sort of mentioned this earlier on when we were talking, and I wanted to sort of go back to it because I think it's a interesting thing to talk about. At what stage in your career do you does it start to dawn on you about when it's going to end and what you're going to do? Because obviously, you know, as everybody listening to this knows, like people. In, you know, particularly footballs, but most sports, you know, it's a, a career that um, has a, a, a certain lifespan. It's a finite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a young person. I mean, rock and roll is kind of similar in a way. It's well, pop music anyway is a young person's kind of game. But yeah, when does that sort of start to dawn on you? Uh, I think you go through stages. So, because at the club, you, you're on a contract. So when you first sign up, you get a two-year deal. Everyone gets a two-year deal. Right. So standard, yeah, I think as you get towards the end of contracts, if you haven't signed a new one, you start thinking about it. So I've had probably periods in my life in the last 10 years where I've one started panicking about it because I haven't done anything. Yeah. So that was early on. End of my third year, it was between me and another bloke who was getting delisted that year. Yeah. And it was like a flip of the coin and I didn't get delisted and he did. Wow. Um, And at the end of my third year, like I had no idea. I I don't know what I would have done. And then there's probably been another one other point where it was kind of like, do I get a contract? Do I, you know, do I go to another team? Yeah. Do I do this? Do I do that? Um, but probably, probably now to answer your question, like now. So I'm 27, 28. Mm. Um, I've just signed a new new deal for three years. So I'm at West Coast till I'm 30, yeah. as a, as a I guess a minimum. And yeah. uh, I guess I'm using that to set myself up after footy so I think yeah. I think around the 30 year mark if you're if you're in a team like that's generally around probably when you need to that's going to end around then yeah. so for me like I'm going to go I'm going to go and study um, yeah. do some work experience I've been studying what are you going to study well I've done I've done half a degree while I've been in the system so yeah. like really slowly I, yeah, know, yeah, I do yeah. one subject every yeah, yeah, year yeah, yeah, that sure. sort of stuff yeah. and then uh, so I've, I started with a commerce course I then changed it to like an accounting course. Then I changed to finance. Right. Um, now I'm going to be doing like a strategic marketing degree. So like less about the marketing, more about the strategy, running business. Yeah. Why Why doing, like why do you do this? How do you do it? Who does it? Kind of that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. And I see myself going into that after footy, running your own business, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but footy's a brutal industry, man. Like yeah. because of that contract thing, like, um, there's pictures, or you would have seen them today. Like, you walk around, you see pictures of the squad. So, there's 45 blokes every year in the squad. You only see the 22 game day for West Coast, but there's 45 yeah. every year. There's there's probably six to 10 guys that get, get go out, and then 10 guys come in. So, yeah, like, yeah. in 10 years of footy, you see 250 blokes in here. Yeah. Um, it's a cutthroat industry, and, yeah. and it can end any minute. So, it's yeah. why it's important to stay on top of things and, like, plan after footy. Yeah. Because. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's must, yeah, particularly because you you're so young when you kind of join into that, join into that club, and 
and into that sort of atmosphere and like I mean most people at that age aren't really sort of thinking very far ahead you know we're, I mean, when I was in we've my... Got, yeah, we've got parallels there. Like, you started when you were 17, 18, same, yeah, same exactly, as me. Yeah. When, when you were that young, did you... How old are you now? I'm 38. Did you... When you were 18, you all go, oh, geez, I'm still going to be doing this at 38 years old. Well, it's funny because, in a, when, mm-hmm. in a way, when I was 18, I, I didn't think I'd still be doing this at 38. Um, you were worried about your next beer. And your I was probably... <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly... Because I had no idea about what, what the what future held... Um, I just kind of assumed that, you know, I could just kind of assume that it was such a dream that I figured, well, eventually it's going to end. Yeah. And I was just been waiting for it to kind of end. Yeah. Not waiting for it to end, but expecting at some point, you know, reality's going to hit. Because when you're being a musician, you know, and I started playing in bands as soon as I left high school. And, you know, it's kind of, you live in a bit of a bubble, you know, like where you're allowed to just kind of, Basically, just keep living out this sort of teenage dream and stuff. You like the you like the Brent Harvey of the music. <laughs> I think we're the same age. Yeah, that's, that's what I just frightening. <laughs> that is frightening. How the hell does he? Because he's still playing really well. Oh yeah, mate. I'm not playing when I'm 38. I can. I, there, there's an exclusive for you, mate. It's I won't insane. be playing football. It, it, like that's. He's still playing good footy as well. Yeah, which is ridiculous. It's insane. What's uh, what's what does life hold for you after music? I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I've never you, really had a plan B. Do you like? Do you worry about it? Do you think about it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've, I'm never, particularly in the last five years, because five years ago we start. My wife and I started a family. So we got two little kids now. The, my eldest Ella's starts school next year, and you know the the pressures I suppose of like you know family, mortgage, all kind of stuff. Um, and I'm you know always kind of feel like I'm only ever about. A couple of months away from having to get another job, you know. Yeah. Um, which I think surprises people sometimes, but that's the that's the reality. Um, but I've been really lucky. I've been really, really lucky because whenever I've had my back up against the wall, you know, either financially or career-wise or whatever, something has come. You know, yeah. something saved me. An opportunity has come along. I've got a break. Um, yeah, something's always happened. Some might not call that luck. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like using luck. Hey? Yeah, yeah. Well, you how like, would you... No, well, I think like, I don't think of like fate, like yeah, yeah. it's meant to happen, but like, I, I definitely think you make your own luck, you know, like yeah. not knowing enough about your history, but yeah. like stuff that happens to people happens for a reason. Like yeah. you've worked hard, you deserve it, and yeah. you've met people, contacts, that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I do believe in that, you know, like if you you can generate a lot of goodwill you know around around yourself without necessarily realizing it you know just by not being a fucking idiot yeah. <laughs> you know over a long period of time and yes they have so yeah there's definitely been times where those kind of uh friendships and relationships and stuff have come in and helped yeah for sure because like you mentioned before when we're talking about um what people are saying about you people are doubting you like nothing yeah. and that sort of stuff like and you get the oh you know oh, back when I back when I was seventeen like I could I could have got drafted yeah 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 well when I was seventeen I could have started my own band yeah yeah but like they don't because like it's not luck that you have been in music for like twenty years yeah you know like they, and these people that think that I think that people think it is lucky yeah and yeah. people think it is lucky to play footy and think it, like that it's luck like you got to make things happen yourself yeah and all the best with uh, you know the rest of the season Thanks, I hope. Mate. Uh, we uh, 
I say we as a typical That's good. supporter. That's good. Get on board. Oh, you did I say that you, you had the chance to swap to Freo growing up and you didn't. So I, I didn't, no. That. And yeah, I've got a lot of friends that are, that are Docker supporters. and I've converted my whole terrible. family from Geelong to West Coast. Have you? Pretty much. Well done, yeah. Because yeah. That, yeah. that stuff, that can't be easy. No, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good luck in September. Pleasure having a chat, mate. Well. It's been me. good. Thanks, Will. <laughs>